There is no mistaking Jalen Phillips when he walks into a room or steps onto a football field. At six foot five, 260 pounds, and moving like a running back with a four five and the 40 yard dash, the Miami Dolphins linebacker has prototypical pass rushing measurables. But spend some time with Phillips, and you will quickly realize that there is so much more beneath the aqua number 15 he wears on Sundays. You know, what I realized is that I had to manage my level of expectations, and ultimately, you know, I just wanted to be proud of myself with the work that I was putting in and you know, what I did on the field. It's like I can't control a lot of things. You know, I can't control how people are going to feel about my performance. I can't control a lot of the time how the coaches are going to feel about what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, you know, I can I can lay my head down at night and be confident in myself as a man that, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, be successful. I'm Seth Levitt, a former member of the Miami Dolphins Media Relations Department. And I'm two-time team MVP OJ McDuffie. And today in the fish tank, we sit down with the second-year Dolphins defender and learn about his incredible journey, one that took Jalen to the pinnacle of his sport as a number one rated high school player in the country to retiring from football just two years later, and what it took to rebuild himself both mentally and physically as Jalen made a second attempt at chasing his dreams. Hey, Solo D, tell them where they at. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, Seth. OJ, Juice, man, this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one. one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, I'm up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank, right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt, DJ Preaches in the back, looking for the ones and twos, and my main man, OJ Juice McDuffie. We're back in the Wingfield living room, man. Hey, How man, you feeling? I'm loving it, man. You know me, man. You know, anytime we get in the building, bro. It's like you're home away from home now. I, I, I've been here a lot now, and I love it. You know, and I'm going to get more of the building at some point, Big Seth. But I'll take what I have right now. Well, I think we figured out the secret sauce. Because when we when we invite guys like our guest oh, yeah, here yes, today, sir. you bring Jalen Phillips into the tank, all of a sudden they roll out the red carpet, man. They, yeah. they were going to let us park in the front. Yeah, I saw you and I came said, in. No, I, I, I'm more comfortable <laughs> yeah. parking in the back. I've kind of gotten used to where I need to be. Jalen, welcome to the fish tank, man. I man, appreciate you guys having me. Excited to be here today. Yo, Excited to man. have you. Yeah, man, no doubt about it, man. You know me. Seth, we talk about it all the time, man. Former player, the biggest fan now of the Miami Dolphins and having this man in the tank, man. It's, yeah. It's a big-time deal for So him. now you say that. Yeah. I shouldn't start this this early, so I don't know – you know, when the games are over, if you guys are like they were when, when I worked there, guys hit the parking lot, see the families, like to kind of blow off some steam, chop mm-hmm. it up. I don't know that you're listening to our post-game show, but Juice and I and Travis Winfield did the post-game show all year. Mm-hmm. And what we liked to do when there were wins, and fortunately we got on a great run there, yes. second yes, half indeed. of the season, yes, what we like to do is give out game balls. Now, there's another Jalen who was drafted in the first round that my wide receiver partner over here <laughs> – I feel like Jalen Waddle started every game with a game ball, and he had to kind of earn his way to not have one. Yeah, Juice, pretty much. It was like a, you know wide outs, man. You know wide outs. <laughs> the wide outs were sticking we go, together. Man. You know we are. I have an affinity for pass rushers, yeah, as you go. might imagine. I love that. So, so I did dish out a few game balls, but I know you were a huge fan of this man's work all year. Oh, absolutely, man. Fun year, fun year to see him, you know, finally get on and get going, man. So we definitely had a big time. I don't know which one. Big time fan. <laughs> we'll right? go with that. That worked. That worked. There we go. But anyhow, man, I know he's excited that, you know, they had a strong finish last year. But I think he's even more excited now that 
I mean, the R is off your name now. Mm. You know, you know, the, the R anymore. Well, everybody yeah, keeps telling me I got yeah. three. I have three, three more, more games, games until I'm not a rookie yet. Yeah, that, so it's still good now. That's for still me. a thing, huh? Uh-huh. One year, three games to get yes, past sir. the R, but still, man, it won't be on the uh, on the roster that way, man. Mm-hmm. Even though your your teammates might treat you that way, <laughs> you know, my my teammates, man, I, I told them I'm done with it though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can, you can say all all you need officially with three games after the first year, but you know. Don't, no, no longer treat me like a rookie anymore. That's how I'm feeling, man. I'm, I feel like we paid our dues and, yeah. you know, we're ready to come in and, you know, show that young leadership. I think it's important to have, you know, different levels throughout the team. You know, you can't just have one guy who's rallying everybody. You've got to have multiple levels of it. So, you know, I think we have, a, we have a great group and I'm excited to get started, man. Yeah, and I think that's important, man, because you think about it. Last year this time, you had so many other things on your mind. Mm. You know, combine, draft, workouts, you know, so this year... Now that you've had that year under your belt, you're just, you know, getting ready for the season. New coaching staff and everything coming in, but a lot less, I mean, I wouldn't say less pressure because you do have a new regime, but a lot less to worry about other than just football, just, just football. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the way the, the season went, you know, being able to kind of end off on that on that hot note, it's like got myself established already. We, you know, we got the role going. And so we just got to capitalize on this momentum that we got. Um, so, yeah, d- definitely a different mindset coming into year two, 100%. Where do those three games come from, though? What is that? Is that is there something in the CBA? <laughs> like, do you need to get three games before you get in the crew season? Like, yeah. where, where's that coming from? I have no idea, bro. I have no idea. Then once you get past these three games, then it's officially now a vet yeah now he's a big time vet Correct. if he gets to week four like I, who made that shit up yeah who knows man old heads, <laughs> some old, old guy old <laughs> some old rules guy for no reason. Right, right. some real old guy because you know they were telling you the same thing so you know like you just said you you enter this building this year with some experience under your belt some mm. nfl experience under your belt and you're excited we're excited that you're excited but a lot has changed since the last time you put on a helmet and put on shoulder pads things are different and and certainly that starts with the head coach and mike yeah. mcdaniel is in the building now man i've been watching all his interviews I'm, I'm hoping one day he dives into the fish tank here and we're looking forward I'm to sure that moment but if there's anything that jumps out to me and this is coming from an old pr guy <laughs> that kind of saw a billion head coaches bring in similar personalities I don't just mean here, just in general. Anybody who watches the NFL, there's kind of a mold. Mm. Mike McDaniel just seems like the kind of guy that finds a mold and just smashes the shit out of it. He's just a different kind of guy. There's a different level of energy. Do you feel that? Can you feel that already? I know it's early. You guys aren't in practice every day, but are you starting to feel uh, that Mike McDaniel is in the building and that there's a certain presence? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and he, like you said, he brings that aura of energy and, and youth about him. Uh, and, you know, you can tell he's very serious about his craft. He's a super intellectual and analytical guy. And, you know, that's something I can appreciate. Um, but, you know, most importantly for me, I think it's, it's important to be able to relate to your coaches on a personal level. Uh, and, you know, and Coach McDaniel and the few conversations that I've had, like, you know, just asking me about my family, about my life, you know, we're chopping it up, not even about football. Um, so I think, you know, when that time comes to get down to that nitty gritty, when you already have that relationship, uh, it's so much easier to rally behind a coach um, that you can really connect with. Even if he's kind of the an offensive guy coming into it. He's yeah. now got to be <laughs> an everything guy. And I mean, I think that's kind of what his whole idea with retaining a lot of the defensive staff was. He's like, we want to yeah. keep the good things. We only want to keep the, you know, that continuity that we have, but also, you know, there's, there's some things to change, man. We got to, we got to win more games. We got to keep it going. So uh, I really like his energy and, and the ideas that he has coming in his passion. So I'm, I'm excited, man. He seems like a great guy. And I guess this is a little follow up, and I think we're going to get into it more here in a second, but, and we'll, can't wait to hear about your story. But I feel like some of the things that you've already gone through, even just as a young football player, 
some of the things you've gone through in life maybe has prepared you to kind of handle change, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the, I know that happens to some guys that, you know, you're in your first year and all of a sudden, wow, there's a new head coach or wow, this player who I thought was my dog, who I practiced with all year, he's yeah. gone. I came in this morning, and his locker room is cleared out. So do you think that because of the things that you've gone through in life, which we will get into, that maybe you are a little bit more prepared to accept change and kind of roll with the punches? Absolutely. And I think with the NFL, you know, when when my first year at UCLA, we had a whole coaching change and stuff. That was unexpected. And that was kind of like, whoa, you know, what's happening? You know, as a high school kid, you know, you have these coaches come to your house and you try to build these relationships and then boom, next year they're gone. So you have to start that process over again. But with the NFL, you know, they kind of already have a system in place where there is so much turnover with players, with coaches and everything like that. And so it really is kind of a beautiful thing in itself um, when you have a new start and a new foundation every year. Uh, It's just cool to see even throughout the span of last year, just how the guys came together. And, you know, even though we're, you know, there's I'm 22 years old, you know, I have a girlfriend, but no kids. I'm playing with dudes who are 33 kids, you know, a girlfriend. Grown-ass man. Grown-ass man, literally. Um, And so, you know, to be able to to relate to everybody, and, and, you know, I call them my mud brothers, not my blood brothers, because you go through that mud together, um, go through that adversity, and when you come out the other side, kind of how our season went, you're just so much stronger, and that bond is there. Um, and so, you know, coming into this year, it's a whole, there's going to be a lot of, you know, the same guys, but there's also going to be a lot of new guys. So getting this new group and seeing how we gel together and seeing how we can come together to be a successful football team is really a beautiful thing. Man, he's, uh, he's smart beyond his years, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? He gets like, it, man. You know what I mean? Mud Brothers. Wow, Did you yeah. catch that? Mud Brothers. I've never heard that one before. Did, have you trademarked it, that yet? Not yet, no. Don't, don't, don't look on Urban Dictionary. Hey, so there's, there's, some, there's some other definitions of what Mud Brothers is, so don't, don't look it up. And then, and then when they just use it, it sounds on Urban Dictionary. No, just a whole other take my definition, take my word. All right, we'll ride with that. I'm going to dial it back a little bit. Seth, you alluded to a little bit. We talked to him. Yeah, we talked to him a little bit before, you know, before we started recording about you know, his upbringing in high school, high school in Southern California. But Seth, you know, I had some high school success, you know, Ohio kid. I had a little bit. Still of, Ohio. I had a little, yeah, I had a little Ohio, you know, high school success. But I wasn't the number one recruit in the country, bro. Mm. You know what I mean? This man, the number one recruit in the country. In the whole uh, country. In wow. the whole, not, not just part of the country. The entire, the country. entire country. Not the regional thing. Correct. How many, Correct, how man. many high school football players are uh, there a year? Uh, there's a, a million, I think. A million. A million guys, man. Mm. Talk about that, man. And, and coming out of high school. Are we making you, you know, uncomfortable? Not at all. Okay. I'm just reminiscing right now. It's, <laughs> no, it's man, crazy it's to even days, think right? about it. Coming out of high school, man, and, and being that guy, you know, obviously every single every single college in the country is probably coming after you, man. And you decide on UCLA. Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, what got it, what went into that process and, and into your decision. Yeah, so, I mean, just the whole journey, you know, it was basically – I went from, I, I wasn't ranked at all, wasn't, I never went to any camps. I was a baseball player and, and a football player growing up. So I was, you know, I was, and I, You're yeah, I saw you play language, baseball yeah. at Penn State, at Penn State, <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, I played baseball, football growing up. Uh, I always wanted, you know, my dad's an attorney. My mom's the assistant superintendent of the school district. So I always just wanted to be a lawyer like my pops, go to Stanford, man, get a good degree, Ivy League type thing. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad it, path. It's right? not a bad path either. But, you know, sophomore year comes around, I end up going to my first camp. Uh, and I actually went as a tight end, funny enough. Never played tight end uh, before. Um, and then University of Washington was there, and they gave me my first uh, scholarship offer uh, the summer of my sophomore year. So at that point, I'm like, okay, let me, I'm, I'm going to do this football thing, man. Let's put baseball everything else on the side. And um, from that point, you know, basically my junior year is when I started going to camps and stuff, all the Nike openings, different things like that. And that was really the first time I had ever pass rushed one-on-one, anything like that. Um, and it just, you know, in that span of basically – 
I think it was 2016 to, or not 2015 to 2016, in less than a year, I went from being unranked to number one in the in the nation. So that was a whirlwind, man. And uh, you know, as a 16, 17 year old kid, um, you know, it's hard to kind of digest that. I was just, you know, kind of on my high horse, man. I bet. Oh, that's right. You're so used to at that point, like everybody's catering towards you. You're in this bubble. Um, you know, you really don't have to worry about anything other than get your grades and you know at that point you only really got really got to worry about grades too much i don't even think i did an entrance letter for ucla but um, well, i mean you also have parents that are very smart as well i'm sure they're yeah. gonna let your grades slip oh i was still i had a four six yeah that's, right. what I was six. Point, that's, a, that's why you weren't worried about yeah, grades. I was, you I was struggling on with that 2.0 point. trying to be eligible um you know point being though when it comes to choosing ucla like you said i did you know have other schools uh, that were coming after me and Ultimately, my father went to UCLA. Uh, my aunt taught there. My grandfather was the dean of the school of music there. My oh, aunt wow. or my grandmother taught French there. Um, so, you know, I just had a lot of family connections. Literally grew up going, uh, being in Westwood, uh, just being around the school, being a Bruin fan. And so, you know, it was kind of a no brainer, honestly. I was looking at SC, which my dad was like, you know, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Oh, I was man. looking at SC, UCLA, and Stanford. Almost committed to Stanford a few times, um, but ultimately UCLA really gave me that home feel, uh, and it just felt right. It felt right for what I was doing. You know, I had a really great connection with Coach Mora, who was a coach at the time, uh, okay. and all of the uh, assistant coaches there. Um, was, was, so, was, was Tom Bradley there? Uh, he, yeah, he was the DC. Yeah, he was the so DC my first year. Yeah, yeah. So Penn State. I mean, I, I was waiting for the connection. Oh, he was Penn State. I forgot about that. I forgot to Penn about State that. in the first yeah. tank. Um, but needless to say, you know, coming into my freshman year, uh, I had a lot of expectations by, for myself and put on myself, uh, you know, by coaches, by family, by fans, everything. And yeah. so coming in, uh, you know, I think that I handled it well when things were going well. Um, but once, you know, I started getting hurt my freshman year, started having some adversity that I really hadn't had before, I didn't really know how to address it. I didn't really know how to explain it to myself. And so... I think for a long time, you know, I kind of played that victim role where it's like you mm. don't want to take responsibility of, you know, what you're doing and realizing you can be doing things different. Uh, and so I kind of let that spiral and, you know, was just in a real bad headspace for, you know, about a year and a half was I got hit by a car on my moped, had three surgeries, three bones removed out of my wrist, two concussions while I was at UCLA. So, you know, I was having a lot of adversity. Um, and at that time, uh, you know, I was struggling with the new head coach, like I said, came in and, you know, I wasn't in the greatest headspace then. So I never really got to gel with him and make that good first impression. And so it was really all downhill from there. Uh, and it kind of all ended with the, you know, I had this choice to either medically retire or, you know, just keep basically suffering through the injuries I was going through. And so you know, at that point, I just didn't know if football was for me anymore, which was, you know, a huge revelation because it's like I've been playing football my whole life and like that's kind of being the number one player in the country you kind of you know people are already saying oh he's going to be the future number one pick overall in the draft this and that so you kind of think you have it made but then reality comes and and some you know adversity comes and you know it's just uh it's it's how you address it and so for me leaving UCLA um you know I ended up having uh, I found this passion in music and was pursuing that I went to a junior college in LA uh, went there for, you know, a couple months and was basically living this, you know, life as a regular person, just, you know, doing my thing, having to get up and, and kind of take control of what I was doing. And so um, that experience was extremely humbling for me um, because, like I said, going from number one to basically not anything and, and anybody who saw me as a football player's eyes. And so I had a real identity crisis. And so at that point, I really had to, to figure out, OK, who am I? And who I'm not just this football player. Who am I going to be outside of my life or of football? And so going through that time, uh, ultimately, I, I was blessed to have the opportunity to you know, basically have a second chance at life at the University of Miami. And I just told myself, 
man, I'll be remiss to have this second chance in life and let it slip again. Um, so going to Miami, man, I just put my head down. I came in at around 215 pounds. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture. I was like, wait a minute. That people can't were, be the same people dude. People looking at me crazy. Like, who the hell is this? You know, because they knew I was right. former, you know, five star. Did you intentionally, like, did, did it just happen because you weren't training and eating for football? Or did yeah, you intentionally I mean, I say, just, I want my body to be better prepared? No, for I was life? just, I was lost and I, I didn't have the motivation to go out and work out and mm. keep my physique up and stuff. And, you know, it's pretty crazy how that can affect your mental health too and your confidence because you know going from especially as a football player your biggest asset is your body and so you know I've been used to everybody looking at me like damn you're a beast you know you're huge this and that and then I go from that to like I said being 215 pounds that really did a number on my confidence and so Man, the first order of business going back to the U is, man, I need to get my body back. I'm damn near 215 pounds, and it's not good for my confidence either, man. but for a whole different reason. Man, and so getting <laughs> I'm in there. I'm not 6'5". Man, I was blessed to the coaching staff at the U, especially David Feely, who's my strength coach. Um, they really took me in and, you know, just helped me throughout that time. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was just realizing that I was in control of my own destiny and that, you know, if, if I wanted to be great and if I wanted to accomplish these great things in life, I was going to have to put the work in, like, there's no cheat code to success. Um, and so, you know, just dialed it in, man, gained 45 pounds back in like a month and a half, um, sat out the 2019 season. And then when 2020 came around, it was just time to go. There you go. Time to go. That's, that's amazing, man. That's good stuff, man. So last night in the Twitter space, yeah, I said, what I say, we had our guest there and I was like, when a guy gets going, and I know you misunderstood what I was right. saying, Juice, but you were just passionate. You were giving good stuff. <laughs> I, I had a whole question here, but you just answered everything. Yeah. But yeah. no, seriously, when I hear that, man, the idea of you were how old and you had to use the word retirement. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Uh, at that point, I maybe 18. 18, 18 years old. And you are retiring from this thing that was your lifelong yeah. dream. And as you said, elevated to the number one, uh, number one recruit in the entire country. Talk a little bit more about that. I know you kind of glossed over it and, hey, it works on your mentals, but how much were you battling with that? Clearly, you had some other things you went into. I did, I did some research, and I know mm-hmm. you said your mom really wanted you to be diversified in life and not just one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like you had some really great foundational pieces with your family. But how much was that weighing on you that you did have to retire? Because that's, that's a very specific and kind of, fi- you know, just a definitive term mm-hmm. for um, an 18-year-old to have to process. I mean, I felt like a failure. I felt like mm-hmm. that I wasn't living up to what I was supposed to do in life. I felt like I wasn't living up to my potential. And so as anybody, that's hard to handle, but especially, you know, being an 18-year-old, yeah. and this is my really sure. first time facing adversity, I was blessed to have a family who kind of sheltered me in a sense. You know, I didn't have to really worry about much growing up. And so having to deal with that, I mean, that was everything, man. That was, it was really tough. But ultimately, like I said, you know, that that is what defines your character. You know, that was extremely humbling. And, you know, what I realized is that, you know, everybody's path to success, it's not linear and everybody develops at their own rate. And so for me, you know, I had this expectation to just have this linear path to success and not have any, you know, you know bumps in the road. But ultimately, you know, I had some bumps. Um, but at the end of the day, looking back on it, man, I, I would not change anything that happened because I wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't have those experiences. Yeah. My high school coach always says, Seth, the road to success is always under construction. Mm. You know, it makes a lot of sense. always said a big sign in our locker room, man. And, and you get a guy, you go through all this as a young age. And I think, you know, even coming here, after you were drafted by the Dolphins, you had a little bit of adversity mm-hmm. at the yeah. beginning. But you powered through it. You know, you think what you went through at an early or younger age helped you through the beginning of last season and then look at watch yourself excel towards the end of last season. You know, it just helped my perspective a lot. 
um, because coming in, the, the, the main difference between the league, it wasn't even the physicality so much. It's like, yeah, obviously everybody, the, the levels uh, come up, like the disparity between the best and the worst was right. a lot thinner. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, everybody's legit in the league. Um, but for me, it was the mental aspect of it. It was coming in, being a first-round draft pick, boom, immediately there's pressure and expectations. It's like, how are you going to handle those pressure and expectations? And for me, you know, I, I almost kind of came in a little too arrogant from my experience before thinking, oh, I've, I've handled adversity before, I'll be straight again. But then it's a whole different world because, you know, you have the pressure from the coaches, you have the pressure from your teammates, pressure from yourself, family, friends, everybody, and just having to internalize that and deal it. You know, what I realized is that I had to manage my level of expectations. And ultimately, you know, I just wanted to be proud of myself with the work that I was putting in and mm. you know, what I did on the field. It's like I can't control a lot of things. You know, I can't control how people are going to feel about my performance. I can't control a lot of the time how the coaches are going to feel about what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, you know, I can I can lay my head down at night and be confident in myself as a man that, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, be successful. Were you heavily focused on that initially? Did you did the weight of what everybody else was thinking? I mean, did you really focus on those things? Did you realize you were focusing on those things? Yeah, I had to start working with a confidence coach. His name's Ben Newman. He he has been instrumental uh, in a lot of my success this year. Just you know, it's it's all about perspective. It's all about how you talk to yourself. It's yeah. Like, you know, everybody has intrusive thoughts, but you know, you aren't your thoughts. You can detach yourself from those thoughts and speak to yourself positively. I used to write on my wrist before every game, just watch me, JWM. And for me, that be kind. It, it became kind of like a trigger where that you know it, it triggers an emotional response because I'm feeling, man, like screw the doubters, screw the haters, man, just watch me. Like at the end of the day. Um, like I said, it's important to, to talk to yourself positively. And so at the beginning of the year, I was letting all that get to me. I was letting the pressure from the coaches get to me, letting the pressure from myself get to me. And it was just this roller coaster of, man, I feel so shitty for two days during camp. And then I'll have a good day and I'm riding on a high and I'm wow, feeling yeah. great. And the next day it's boom down here. And, that, and I just couldn't deal with the roller coaster. I couldn't do that. And so for me, it's all about not being too high, not being too low, just, you know, staying focused and, and staying uh, it's all about the process and just believing in what you're doing. Um, and so I think that was the biggest learning lesson for me. And I just I ask a lot of questions from vets, from coaches and stuff, because obviously people have experienced this. But I just had to realize again that everybody develops at their own rate. And just because I'm not, you know, popping off at the beginning of camp doesn't mean that, you know, 17 weeks down the line, I can't be having a successful yeah. season. Or, or man, it, the took, it took me forever. Really? Forever? Did, as a receiver, for sure. So I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know? Forever? Well, I mean, over a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. My, oh, my, as a receiver. As a receiver. So returning punch for touchdowns. Return game was all, yeah. Okay. Return <laughs> game was a little different story. All right. But as a receiver, yeah. you know, you're talking about it, man. It's like the, the lack, lack of success and then getting up there against grown men. You know, we had Sam and Pat. You know, I was talking to them the other day. And they were the young DBs that came in when I was an old receiver. Mm-hmm. But when I was a young receiver, we had Troy Vincent, those guys, and they were they were chewing my ass up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was tough out there, you know? So it's not, like you said, it's not the physicality a lot of time. It's the mental part of it that you have to overcome because mm-hmm. like, everybody's good. You yeah. talk about the gap, you know? Everybody's good. I, I always laugh, and you probably laugh at it too, when people say, you know, like, Say, for example, Alabama could beat the worst NFL team. No, they can't. No. It's not, you know, it's, like you not said, you're playing as grown-ass men, yep. you know, and there's no telling where they're coming from, you know. Half of Alabama's team's going to make the league, but doesn't, you know, it's a different ball game, man. So I understand where you're coming from, but you turned it around a lot quicker than I did at, at your <laughs> position, man. So, I mean, I, I know you were going through it, man. You had to, you know, talk yourself into it more than anything, man. But, boy, did you come on like gang bus. I mean, that had to be – 
I, I ran my first kickback and I just finally felt like I made the team, you know, and it wasn't, you know, that was, <laughs> that was week six or seven into the season, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's still that rookie, that rookie thing they were talking about. But when you came on and, and the way you finished your season, man, did that feel like finally like, you know, all right, I'm on the right path that you're talking about? Yeah. And I, I was never chasing the fans love. I was chasing my teammates respect. Yep, sure. I wanted because I felt like I never earned that respect and Cal was hurt. And then, you know, just didn't really get into my flow and things. And the, my biggest thing was, man, I wanted my coaches and my teammates to respect me. And so finally, once I started performing in the game, that's where I really felt love and I felt the respect for my teammates. How do you feel like how do you how do you measure that? So, I, you know, you guys live it, mm-hmm. lived it. I'm as an outsider. Yeah, I've worked in locker rooms. But how do you know you're getting that respect? Do you just feel it? Is it what they're saying? Were they saying the same stuff before, but it just wasn't registering because you were down on yourself? It's trust. It's you can easily feel when you're a liability and when you're an asset. Mm. And so at the beginning of the season, you know, I was feeling like the the whole, you know, everybody's saying, oh, Jalen keeps fucking up. You know, Jalen keeps messing up all this. And then it's like once you turn that into now they trust you to do your job, that's all you need. Yeah. Trust is huge in this game, especially at the NFL level. The coaches are going to play who they trust, and the players want to play with trustworthy right. people. Because at the end of the day, especially with the D-line work, I mean, you see the games we play in, inside of the game. It's a chess oh, match. Good. And so I have to trust my teammate just as much as he trusts me. And so – it's definitely palpable. You can feel when when the guys are trusting you, when you're really gelling. Like, you, and honestly, it, it started coming when we were winning games. Right. <laughs> that's when you really oh, yeah. start feeling it. Everybody starts trusting everybody exactly, when you get yeah. those dubs, for mm-hmm. sure. Ah, that's fascinating to me. So, kind of going backwards a little bit, but to, just to really dig into and deconstruct that pressure you were putting on yourself. I listened to a podcast in preparation for this that you did, like in. I think like 2017 or something. It was when you had just gotten to UCLA. And yeah, it was pretty fast. And I didn't realize it was that old at first because Juice, he sounded like a grown ass man. And I don't just mean your voice. I just, there's a, there was a a level of maturity there. Um, and I think a a comfort level in your own skin, or at least it seemed to be. You put, you know, obviously here there was some more depth to what you were feeling. But one of the things you talked about was how much you were goal oriented Mm -hmm. and you had big plans for the future, even at that, whatever, 17, 18 years old. Do you, uh, and, and you don't have to share your goals with us because those are your goals and your personal, but I think about you saying you would write things on your wrist. JT used to write things on index cards and read them to himself every day before he, you know, since he was a kid all the way through, you know, a Hall of Fame career and he would, he would set those goals and he would write them on index cards. Talk about your process in setting goals. And then do you think that because you had these goals uh, that, that maybe, Obviously, you want to set goals, but do you think that that also kind of built this whole mountain of expectations that you put on yourself? Um, definitely. But I think when it comes to setting goals, you have to be process oriented and not result oriented because you're not always going to get the results that you want, even if you're putting in the process. Right. And so you have to start falling in love with the growth and falling in love with failing, falling in love with overcoming that and having that be your driving force. Because you can't just, you know, say, hey, I want to be a Hall of Famer and then not put the work in to be a Hall of Famer and expect it to just happen. Um, And so, you know, it definitely doesn't high aspiring people. um, You know, it's it's twofold. It's like, yeah, you're going to feel more pressure. But at the end of the day, I think you're going to address that pressure better and you're going to do everything you can to reach those goals. And so, you know, I'd rather be someone who. Shoots for the shoots for the stars, and if you miss, you're on the moon. Rather than just you know yeah. trying to get out of this atmosphere, like I'm trying to, yeah, 
And do you still go through that process of goal setting? Do you reevaluate and restructure and reformulate your goals and as you achieve things and grow? I mean, is that an ongoing process for you, kind of finding that why? Exactly. I'm still figuring out what works for me. Uh, I'm trying new things. You know, I'm trying. A lot of people talk about, you know, writing things down, your intentions early in the morning. Like some Mm -hmm. people that works for them, some people it doesn't. So I'm trying to figure out what works for me and my process. And then I think the most important thing is just being gracious with yourself and just understanding that, you know, sometimes you're not going to have the motivation to get up at 530. That's okay. Like, that's normal. But as long as you overcome that feeling, right. you, you stick to your process and stick to what you're going. Like, it's it's really a gratifying feeling when you dedicate yourself to something and, you know, it, and it's not easy. Like, it's, man, people always say football is very simple, but it's not easy. And so being able to set your set your mind to something and just work towards that, it's a beautiful thing. Man, man. You know, and I, I noticed, I mean, throughout this whole interview so far we've noticed a level of maturity that yeah it's, I, I, I it's going into the second year yeah, i haven't seen it at that age man and you know and you talk a little bit about his why and one thing that i did know and i do know is that you know seth and i are part of foundation i have my own foundation of course he's the executive director for jason taylor foundation but you and your commitment to community mm. i mean i don't know Young guys don't, they're not committed to the community that early. You know, they want to go out and kick it. And you live in South Florida, you went to school in South Florida. But your commitment to community and to win the Nat Moore Community Service Award yeah, man. as a rookie, that's unheard of. I don't think anybody's ever done that. Talk about your why and why you're so committed to the community um, the way you are at such a young age, man. Cause like I said, a lot of young, young guys don't get it. They don't get it this early. Um, it started with my parents. My parents are huge into philanthropy. You know, we with our church, we would go down uh, twice a year when I was a kid and go build houses in Mexico. And, you know, I've always seen my mom helping out with shelters and, and just everything she does, whether it's tithe, whether it's everything, it's giving. It's the giving spirit. And the fulfillment that I get from giving is everything. It's more than anything else I can do for myself. You know, at the end of the day, the NFL and the platform that we have, you know, I wouldn't be happy with just, you know, utilizing the success and taking advantage of everything and then not doing anything to give back to the community that really supported me. Um, and so my goal uh, with everything that I'm doing is to live a fulfilling life uh, and feeding my soul, not just feeding my ego. Um, and so, you know, everything that I can do, I try to, and, you know, Vera is, is somebody who has, you know, been instrumental uh, in this process just okay vera well honestly just and not not only vera you know so there's a whole bunch of people i can name drop but you know that i let them know early on that i want to be involved and i want to be active uh, and they've you know helped me with everything we've been able to do disaster relief with um, the surfside incident and with yeah. haiti i'm haitian i have family in haiti still so the haiti earthquakes are a big deal to me so being able to raise awareness for that uh, you know i've done work with uh, the sylvester uh, kids hospital hospital uh, done work with the Lotus House uh, down in uh, South Miami, which is uh, they basically house um, homeless women and their kids. And they have like an after school program that I can come down there and talk to the kids and hang out with them. Um, I, it's just like moments like those are invaluable. You can't you can't make that up. You know what I'm saying? That's like to be able to pour myself into, you know, the the next generation and try to influence kids and, you know, teach them the lessons that I've learned along the way and try to impart some wisdom. Like, that's everything to me. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep trying to be involved and 
be as active as I can and try to inspire other people to do the same. You also rode in the DCC. I did. I know you did, too. Uh, yeah, I got 15 <laughs> in. How many did you get in? I did the 100. You did 100? 100, man. I did the 100. Man, the 100. <laughs> nah, I, got, I'm not, I can't step it up either, Seth. There's, there's a big gap between there's 15 and 100. Gap, you can't get man. to 20? Yeah, I can't. Look at me talking there's shit. I didn't even ride. Right, there's a 35. <laughs> I might try that 35 next. Yeah, 100? 100 miles. It was epic. I was, and that was the third time I'd ever gotten on a road bike, so... It was just like, I, the way I kind of saw it, I was like, okay, this is a challenge. And I told my girlfriend and my parents, they're like, no way in hell you're doing 100 miles. I'm like, all right, watch. I'm going to do 100 miles. 100 miles. Yeah. So you jump right to 100. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, at least get your feet wet. Where do you go from 35? here? I did. I did The longest one I did was the Thursday before, like the, on the Saturday. And I did like 15 miles with Matt Collins. And Matt did the 100 too. Uh, and I was, man, I didn't know if I was going to make it after that 15. I was like, man, my ass hurting. Like, oh, my legs man, that's, hurting. A, yeah, that's the biggest deal right there. Wait, so you did. 15 and then you showed up and did 100 yeah two days how long did that take uh five hours and 45 minutes or so yeah we were pushing too because you know mac mac is even more competitive than i am so he we were in that group a and we get to the first rest stop and he's like man let's go let's just keep, keep going moving. i'm like well i'm not about to be behind so <laughs> let me go along <laughs> with him yeah. yeah. uh, but so, he's yeah. you know he's not pushing as much weight he's you know man, 100 that's, miles that's what i was telling him because i i had to get helped along at the, at the end like about mile 80 i was falling out a little bit i wasn't you know and i had a guy kind of push me along and he's trying to make fun of me afterwards i was like man i'm pushing like 50 more pounds Damn right. yeah <laughs> 100 miles that's that incredible. That Thank is you. amazing. Thank you. I was thinking more 35 or 50, man. You, a hundred, you went straight to a hundred. Yeah, man, I figured if I'm going to do it, I might as well go all out. You doing a hundred again next year? I mean, I kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, you got to set the bar the now. Yeah, the That's it. You got to live up to it. Yeah. Good stuff. Man. So where are you going with it then? I'm 15 to 35, somewhere in there. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably bump up to 35. There you go. Okay. There you go. All right. Nah, you, just, you heard him say 80 minutes. If they had something in between, I might consider it, but. I'm doing, I'm doing 35. I'm doing 35. There it is. 35 miles and 100. Yeah, I mean, but more importantly, that the whole event and what DCC, Dolphins Challenge Cancer, does is incredible. No doubt. You know, cancer affects every single person. If it's not directly, you know somebody who's affected by it. Like me personally, my grandfather beat cancer three times, had his stomach taken out and everything, and mm. he's still, still getting after it. Uh, my aunt Shelly had a, a double mastectomy. She had breast cancer twice. Uh, my aunt Norma passed from, uh, from cancer as well, from lung cancer. So, you know, that's been something that's, that's affected me for sure. Uh, and so I think it's, it's important, uh, to raise awareness and to, you know, do all that we can to try to beat this thing, man. But it was an, it was an amazing ride. The turnout was crazy. We had like 500 people do the 100 mile one. And it's probably like over a thousand total. It was, it was a great event. Yeah, it was amazing. It was such a great turnout. Just an amazing event, man. Like you said, man, everybody's a, Definitely affected by uh, cancer one way or another, no man. So keep doing what you're doing, man. No doubt. Keep doing what you're doing. That's <laughs> it, Juice. Yeah, man. I, I'm kind of blown away. Uh, you know, we, we enjoyed seeing number 15 run around out there and make plays. And, and I saw some of the community work. I messaged you when you went down to the Holtz because through the foundation, we've got the Jason Taylor Learning mm -hmm. Center there. But, um, yeah, to hear you kind of express it, it is you came up as a young guy. You yeah. found your way in the community. Um, JT didn't start his foundation until his year seven, uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, in the league. And, and he was very invested and did different things the way you are. But, um, yeah, yeah I started when I re after I retired. Was you know, it really? I, yeah, we but did you some were events. doing we're events. events. But yeah, man, yeah. That's outstanding, man. Yeah, yeah it's really impressive. So, so we mentioned JT. The comparisons have been there. You know, the comparisons have been there. You heard them. <laughs> We don't have to get into all that. I think there's different reasons why those comparisons exist. But how, you, you know, you seem like there's there's a lot of depth of thought here. Um, and, you know, we're hearing it in this interview. And 
you, you seem like you don't just show up and go to work and collect your check and, you know, go back and do whatever. How aware are you of the guys who did it before you in this, well, not this building, but in these colors, you know, wearing this logo, the Jason Taylors, the Zach Thomases, the OJ McDuffies, what kind of an understanding or awareness do you have of those guys? How much, you know, do you find yourself wanting to learn more about that or, or is there just understandably a heavy focus on what your job is. You know, I got to admit, I'm a, I'm a SoCal kid, so I didn't really know anything about the Dolphins growing up. I know who Dan Marino right. was. I knew who Dan Marino right. was. Right. I know Dan Marino. Yeah, Ace Ventura, I mean, right? Yeah. And then Ricky Williams and stuff. But, um, but man, you know, I think I got my first taste of that at the U. Um, because when you talk about the U, you can't, you know, you can't not mention Ray Lewis. You can't not mention Ed Reed, you know, all this. Right. You know, it's, it's important to understand who came before you. Uh, and to really, you know, my biggest thing is I try to, to pick their brains and just, you know, see what their experience was like, see what their process was like. And everybody's individual. And so you got to take pieces from, you know, as many people as you can. And like I said earlier, figure out what works for you. Um, so I haven't even met JT yet. I, I need to. Well, he's I'm wearing that dang you on his chest now. I've I know. Seen I'm, I'm <laughs> jealous. I'm, I wish you would come to us, man. And just. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can make that connection. I yeah, think we'll be able to make absolutely. that connection. Um, but yeah, man, I just, you know, I want to definitely uh become more versed in you know my dolphins history and just making as many connections i've already met nat um through the nat and more community yeah what was that like where he's the guy telling you you i had already met him he came down and talked to us during one of our uh, rookie success we had like a panel of a Mm -hmm. a few uh, of the older dolphins guys Um, it's it's just amazing to um hear people's experience in a different generation because obviously the game is different but at the end of the day it's still football and you still have to deal with pressure you still have to you know maneuver through this life and so uh you know that's it's, that's what it's all about it's just asking the right questions definitely right man you know you talked a little bit about you know other sports and i know you talked about mom wanted you to do be a little more diverse in some of the things you did um you, you talked about football of course and baseball you play basketball as well never did never everybody always when they see me they're like oh do you hoop? yeah it's like you look at go always look, take look. for a hooper don't hey, they? i'm good i'm good for about two dunks and like 10 <laughs> boards a game i'll I cherry pick the same thing. Wait, i will cherry pick the whole time and just wait for someone to pass me so i can yam out that's all that's i'm good it. for my, my jumper is broke i don't even want to work on that i can't handle none of that so I'm, i'll stick to well, my, yeah because we used guys. to have a nice ball up in my house you know uh back in the day and a lot of players used to play so you don't go to any when the guys are talking about playing basketball you're going the other way. Oh, I'm trying to pull out. I, I know, like Jalen Waddle and Jared Dog, a bunch of the rookies have been playing ball recently, so I, mean, I got to look out for my knees too. My right, ankles, smart. So. <laughs> yeah, when you play makers. with some of these guys, you know, you got to play with other players. That's how mm-hmm. we figured it out. Mm-hmm. You, know, you play with other players, they're not protect you. They're not trying to block every exactly. single shot. They're not going to undercut yeah. you and things like that. Yeah. But you talk about a couple of guys. Who else? You know, we had some guys that you know were air dribbling through our locker room and in the <laughs> training room all the time. Mm-hmm. A guy like Mark Dixon. Who actually proved that he was probably really good, that he really was a good basketball player. Any of those guys in there that look like they can ball a little bit? Man, I would imagine Preston. I would imagine Peter yeah. could ball. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of wide the taller. Yeah, wide yeah receivers, I hear man. it. I was waiting. You said, for, um, said Waddle. You we already I mean? have Penn State. Now we're talking receivers. I don't, I don't know receivers. if any of my big boys can ball. I don't, I don't that, know um, if I. <laughs> Mate, Christian might sneak. Christian surprises me all the time, so he might sneak out some shifty handles and all yeah. crazy stuff. Right. But you never know with that man. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, see, I think other sports, you know, like you talk about, especially baseball and different sports, they help you with with football. If you, the more you can do in different sports, man, it's just different aspects. Like my son played baseball. 
uh, he didn't want to play football, but he, when he played basketball, he became a better athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm just saying, different sports prepare you for different situations in sports. He's a pretty good athlete yeah. already. He's a hell of an athlete. I mean, I did I did track and volleyball in high school too, yeah. and so track was something that was big for you know speed and just running form and track. Running what all were that. you? What was yeah, your what, event? What event? <laughs> I was the anchor on the four by one. Oh, <laughs> I was getting loose. That's <laughs> craziness. That. Probably we've seen that. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. him. He's running Coming down these. I see. Yeah. I see. Good stuff, man. Yeah, great Good stuff. stuff well, look, I know that even though it's the off season, people understand that. I, they, you know, during the season, it's so regimented. Mm-hmm. But the off season, you have a lot of different things that you're trying to accomplish. Appreciate you making the time here oh, for absolutely. us. Uh, definitely got to connect you with JT. So we'll mm-hmm. make sure we make that connection sooner than later. Double connection now, huh? The UN. Yeah, man. You know. That's what it seems like. I don't know. I don't know if anything official has been said, but every time I see him, he's got he's got a lot of nice gear. Yeah. So he's, he's, he seems to be repping. I can't believe you guys haven't met. I know it's wild. He's a busy man. I'm a busy man. So well, yeah, he, well, yeah. he's called your name a lot doing right. that doing the games on uh, he on did. The radio. So. Good stuff, man. He did. Well, as I said, we enjoyed watching you play. I enjoyed giving you a few game balls this year. I had to fight Juice for it. So you were always the wideouts until my man has like three sacks. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm like boxing out. I'm like, nah. And then there was yeah. and see, a lot of times, too, you know, depends on who they ask first for the game ball. So he might steal you first. Then I got to resort to water or vice versa. Greatly appreciate the time and, and fascinated by your story, man. Appreciate that. Hey, thanks for having me, Jalen. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, man, shout out to the fish tank. <laughs> Appreciate that. And the pops. You said pops and is pops a big too, fan. Yeah. Shout out to my dad. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there it Appreciate is. Pop. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in, in that fish tank Aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank.